Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary. Now, today, our guest is a TED speaker on using human to build resilience. He's a former Australian comic of the year was a full-time stand-up comic for eight years in the UK. He has multiple best-selling books, including his What I Wish I Knew series based on over a thousand interviews he has had with inspirational and successful people. He is also a registered pharmacist, so he balances <laughs> proven scientific data with laugh-out-loud stories. Will you please welcome Mr. Marty Wilson? This is what we'll me, right? sound in me. here, like, yay! <laughs> or if you, now, you stand up, there'll be one bloke, get on with it! <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on the show oh pleasure mate absolute pleasure thanks for having me it's uh, I'm really looking forward to our chat um me too most importantly uh, half um, because um most pod, mo- most podcasts you go on they have like a really concrete list of questions and you just have one and then it's oh then then we'll just have a chat and see what happens you know it's like any conversation if you go in with a sort of a, an intent, but then just see what happens because some juicy bits come up and I want the ability to go down that path. So, so let's start to build the foundation and then follow the juicy bits. Um, the question I always ask is, how do you define success? I guess uh, success for me is, and, and I uh, forgive me if, because, um, you know, we've, we've worked together professionally a few times. Forgive me if, you've, if you see me lapse into my keynote at times when, when we're talking. But um, I guess ha- after having done over a thousand interviews for this What I Wish I Knew book series I've got out there where, um, you know, I've interviewed uh, successful comedians the world over to like a mother of 11 children. I've interviewed, um, you know, a guy who survived 9-11 to a Buddhist nun who works with prisoners on death row, you know, all the people from all different walks of life. And when you ask over a thousand people that question, like, you know, how do you define success? How do you define living well? Um, Most of them talk about this idea of, getting to your deathbeds a bit morbid. So in my keynote, I, I, I tend to, um, you know, picture yourself on your 80th birthday, sitting there on a park bench, um, arm in arm with someone you adore uh, or um, happily alone, if, that, if that's more what uh, your fancy, looking back on your life with a big satisfied smile instead of a heart full of regrets. That's the thing for me, like to be able to look back on my life and say, you know what, I gave it a damn good crack. You know, this, um, this, incredibly short precious gift that we all have called life um you sort of once you know once you know that you know when you when you're born here in the west as as you and i are and you know that once you deep really deep down accept that uh you really can do almost anything with your life i kind of feel you're morally morally obliged to have a go um and and so many people that i spoke to for this book series that I've got out there um, brought up words to the effect of, you know, that lovely quote that um, Mark Twain said, you know, in 20 years time, you'll far more regret the things you didn't do than the things you did, you know, and there's been, you know, a, a lovely uh, book out there by uh, a, um, an oncology nurse who talked about, you know, uh, the things that people say when they are dying and that, and that sort of thing. And it's the, so really diving into 
what makes us deep down body smile happy, not just um, what gives us pleasure. And I know in, in positive psychology, they talk about the gratifications versus, versus the pleasures. You know, the pleasures are, you know, eating well and having ice cream and, you know, doing things that give you physical pleasure. And they're great fun. I'm not, not against those at all. But the things that you look back on, you know, when you're 80, the things that you will look back on and be most proud of and most deep down body smile happy with, um, spend more of your time doing those things. So that's what, um, that's what success means to me. So let me ask, you're not 80 yet. Let's just say you're halfway. Let's just say you're 40. So for you, looking back at some of the stuff you've done, because you've done some amazing stuff, what is it that, that makes your heart smile when you look back and think about, oh, I remember that time I did da 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 So what are some of the things for you? Well, uh, um, you know, the, the, I am uh, I, I'm a registered pharmacist. I'm a pharmacist who became an advertising copywriter, um, won some awards doing that, and then when I was doing advertising, um, and that was just – see, I uh, – I really enjoyed being a pharmacist when I was working with my dad. I'm actually a third generation pharmacist and I, like most small businessmen, he used to drag us in on Easter and Christmas and that sort of stuff and get us to work for free. Free labor. And I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed it when I was just on the front counter chatting away to people and helping people and, and that sort of thing. But then once I became a pharmacist, I realized so much of my time is just, you know, out in the dispensary. I'm making typing, um, miming and typing in the air, um, you know, working on a keyboard and that sort of thing. And the way I described it is you may as well be in an army requisition store where people come in with a bit of paper and say, I want this, this, and this, and you go and get it. They whinge about the price and they go. That's what 90% of your time is spent doing. Like, you know, you, you do need your training from university about once a week when you catch something that someone visited one doctor and um, they, that doctor didn't know they'd also been to another doctor and, you know, those things clash. And you, so you really need that training about once a week and the rest of the time it's really boring. You're just doing prescriptions for antibiotics, pain relief and the pill and, then, and that's it. And, and so um, I'm very proud of when I realised that I didn't want to be a pharmacist anymore I started looking at what else I could do and I, and I just went around for about a year asking all my customers, all my friends, look, you know, I hate my job. Do you like your job? What do you do? <laughs> what do you do? I hate my job. What do you do? And, and um, a mate from school looked me sort of sideways over a beer one time and said, you know, you're, you're a reasonably funny guy. Um, I, he was a suit in advertising and he said, you should come and um, try and get into advertising. So I met a guy and worked my ass off and, and did this thing called award school, which is sort of one of the ways to get into advertising and got into advertising. And when I was in advertising, I it was like in the 90s, so it was all, you know, Apple Macs and ponytails and, and all that sort of stuff. And we used to have these uh, monthly goal sessions, you know, sitting around the table um, and, uh, and I just happened to let it slip that I wouldn't mind eventually one day giving stand up a go. And, uh, this typographer who was at the other end of the room, uh, piped up and said, Oh, I got a flyer given to me at central station this morning. All about, um, you can do stand up at the Harold park hotel tonight. <laughs> and I was like, um, I, I, I believe, um, the, the, the technique in a movie is called, um, uh, what's it called? A trolley zoom or something like that, where you know the camera zooms in on the on the hero's face, and they're just like, oh, oh, oh. So oh, looks like I'm trying stand up then. <laughs> and and uh, and so I went along and did uh, stand up comedy. I mean, and I wasn't totally unprepared because I'd been writing radio ads for a while and we'd done some dialogue, and and it always been you know the I, I quote my dad who said you know it was the 
the best job in the world for anyone genetically predisposed to be the class dickhead. <laughs> so, um, it, uh, so, um, so I did it and I went, went really well and they asked me back the next week and then the third week they paid me and it was just like, hang on one second. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, I ended up, um, casually uh, slide listen to the conversation ended up winning this thing called Australian comic of the year. And, um, and on the back of that, I went over to the UK following the rugby world cup around and I, uh, you know, that was back in the day. It was in 99 when the, back when the Aussie dollar bought 32 pence, not 58, like it does now. And so I, I, I did some comedy gigs to help pay for the trip. And it was one of those lovely stories where an agent saw me and said, Oh, look, you're fantastic. You know, when are you going to move here? I can have your diary full next week. So I, um, came home and dragged my then English girlfriend, now English wife, kicking and screaming back to the UK. She'd just been sponsored uh, to be in Australia as a nurse. And so I have to admit, um, so circling back to actually answer your question, that um, I'm very proud of the fact, um, and you know, friends from school tell me this all the time, uh, I'm really proud of the fact that I realised I didn't want to be a pharmacist and and I searched around and it took me a year to find what else I could do. And I, and I knew I wanted to do something creative and I had a go at that. And then there's a, but there's a big difference between doing stand up and doing advertising, you know, in advertising, I can think of an idea that I really love and uh, my, uh, uh, my art director had to like it. My creative director had to like it. The client had to buy it. And then there's the production process. Whereas in standup, I can think of a joke as I'm walking on stage and it's in the public arena 17 seconds later and you don't have to wait for an award jury to tell you if it's any good or not. The crowd tells you very quickly whether, <laughs> whether it's any good or not. And so that, ultimate creative freedom uh, was absolutely fantastic. And so to go from being a pharmacist to someone who, you know, did the Edinburgh and Melbourne festival and uh, you know, was a, a full-time um, headlining comic over in the UK for seven, eight years um, is something I'm, I'm very proud of. And um, are, you, plus, are you still doing stand-up uh, now that you're back here in Australia is still doing stand-up or is that sort of just part of your act as a speaker host? Yeah, no, it's, um, I used to sneak back into the comedy store at Fox Studios here in Sydney just to prove to myself that I could still do it. But, um, it's a different beast to, to speaking. And, and, um, and to be honest, like the, the, the contract is very pure when you do stand up. you know, it's just whoever makes the crowd laugh the most, they're the best stand up comic on the day. You know, you, you can't argue with that. They work the best tonight. Um, but the thing about speaking is doing speaking is more like doing an Edinburgh show or a Melbourne show or something like that, where the crowd actually quite likes it when you go dark for four or five minutes and, um, or, you know, get a bit serious and you can actually teach some people things and, um, give them some tools and advice that will actually help them in their life, uh, in, in some sort of, in some deeper way. And, and I, I almost became a teacher when I left school. I tossed up between teaching and doing pharmacy and, and I, I quite like that. I quite like having people come up to me afterwards and say, you know what, I'm going through a really crappy time at the moment, but there was just that one little thing you said that reminded me of something I heard 10 years ago or like I'd never heard it expressed that way or something like that. I, I love, I love that feeling. Yeah. So when you, when you moved from pharmacy, which was pretty much, you know, just typing up scripts into advertising, how did you tap into that creativity? How did you know that you could do that because I, I would imagine creativity in the pharmacy would be 
what sort of display you want to put up and maybe a little sign that you might create. So how, how did you, and I'm, and the reason I'm asking this question is there's probably someone who's listening to this going, Oh, I'm not quite sure with what I'm doing is right for me. Maybe I want to be more creative. So how did you, how are you able to tap into that and show you could do it? Uh, partly it was doing this thing called award school. So, um, if you wanted to get to leave some type of career and have some sort of creative career, I would definitely search out for, um, and learn the tips and techniques that exist out there to, uh, help you be more creative. And, and because there are, um, you know, some of the great mentors I had, um, going through advertising, like my second advertising boss was a guy called Simon Reynolds, the Cy Iman Reynolds, the you know, double I Simon Reynolds. And, um, and, and a guy called Craig Davis and a guy called George Betts and, and these guys who are legends if you're in the advertising industry. And, and they just smashed into us um, uh, that creativity is a process. And if you want to get really good at it, you know, if you want to write, if you want to write a great ad, write a hundred ads and one of them will be great. <laughs> and, and, it, um, and the same, I, I say the same thing when I teach uh, people comedy stuff. I, I say, if you want to write a great joke, write 50 jokes and one of them were great. And so, because the, the way creativity normally works is you write one, ah, oh, it's not very good. You write two, oh, that's not very good. You write three, oh, that's not bad. You write four, oh, that's not very good. You write five, that's not good. Geez, that third joke was good. <laughs> you write six, you write six, that's rubbish. I'll, I'll go with that third joke. <laughs> yeah, okay. if, if you, so, one of the greatest gifts that uh, Simon ever gave me was just get a bit of paper, put um, 20 boxes on it and say, if I want to write um, a new title for my keynote or if I want to write um, a new title for a product I've, in, I've invented, um, I'm not going to stop till I've written 20 and then I'll judge them. I won't judge them at all until I've written 20 or, you know, set yourself a target of how many you're going to write and don't stop until you've written. Don't even look back at them and, and start judging them because we tend to, you know, start beating ourselves up and going, oh, God, this is rubbish. I haven't come up with anything good yet. So don't worry about that. Just churn and burn. Just churn and churn and churn and then judge at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. Hey, um, now you've, you've got a, a service called More Funny, More Money. How important is humor in creativity um i i think it's uh it's a what's the best way to put it it's almost like a, a crucible um for creativity because um you know most people are afraid of public speaking and don't even try and most public speakers are afraid of trying being funny and don't even try it's it's almost like that um extreme sport version of um version of creativity because um everyone is absolutely terrified of being seen to try to be funny and fail <laughs> like it, it um whereas you know if you can just give a speech and you know um and put down some facts and, you know, not shake too much. And that's the thing. It, almost everyone can do that with a bit of practice, but it's almost like the um, taking it to the, the, as the SAS is to the army or something like that. Um, trying being seen to try to be funny is even more risky than just standing up there on stage and holding a microphone. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the techniques involved um, are just the same as, you know, if you're trying to create, a witty, uh, not, not even a witty, a pithy or clever headline, the techniques are the same as if you're trying to write a funny headline. 
It's just, um, you know, uh, making connections people have never seen before, combining two things together that have never been before and what comes out of that. So there's, there's lots of tips and tactics that are all the same, but you just have to have that. Um, and I guess there's one thing after doing stand-up for, you know, 10 years full-time, you're pretty bulletproof when it comes to um, totally stuffing up on stage. And, and, um, and so that is, is such a great skill. That's such a great skill to have about not being scared of what 99.99% of the population is terrified of is, is a really great skill to have. So does that extend for you? So obviously on stage, if you crack a joke and it just dies, you're like, no worries. I've got plenty more. Here we go. And you just, it's, you know, water off a duck's back. Does that then apply in other aspects of your life? Like, you know, raising kids, relationships, uh, buying cars, just normal life. Do you, ha- do you still have fear of messing up in that? Or are you just like, I'm pretty much bulletproof no matter what? I, I think it's, it's not so much that. Um, see, my, my comedy when I first started was very much, I, I idolized a guy called Bill Hicks who, um, uh, he was a very ranty uh, comedian about the the Bush era in uh, in America, and, and um, he's one of those comedians that um, his style of comedy was very much like you're a dickhead, you're a dickhead, you're a dickhead. All you people over there, you're all dickheads. You know those people in the news, they're all dickheads. Like everyone else is a dickhead except me. Right. And I tried to do that, and and, it, and it's just not me. Like it wasn't me, and and I didn't get really funny in t- until I relaxed, gave the audience a big hug and said, aren't we all dickheads? And, and I think the, the gift of having done stand-up for 10 years is not so much that I'm not afraid of me failing in public, like it, it still hurts and, um, and it still crushes my ego, but it's more I've seen every single great stand-up comic that I know and, and I've worked with um, Eddie is uh, like the Australians would be like I've worked with um, Julia Morris, Adam Hills, Aunt Doe. Um, overseas, I worked with uh, Eddie Izzard. I worked with um, uh, Michael McIntyre. Like he um, uh, to throw this in the conversation. He supported me on this tour around around, uh, around the <laughs> nice. UK with Jonglers. Uh, Aussie guy called Jim Jeffries. Like you know, and I've seen all these people totally stuff up gigs. And so it's, it's not so much that I don't care if I fail. I just don't take it personally when I do because I know everybody fails yeah. when they're trying new things. Everybody totally stuffs up when they're trying new things. We're, we're all, we're all so, I, I talk about this in, in Makina, we're all so desperately afraid of making mistakes in public. And, um, you know, for example, um, you know, that thing about kids supposedly learn languages faster than adults do. Um, they've worked out part of it is neuroscience, but a lot of it is just that as adults, we're too embarrassed to make a mistake. So if we don't know the words for, you know, oh, would you please pass me the blue pen? We're too embarrassed to say, would you please throw me the pen that is not black? And so we don't even try. Whereas kids just don't care. You know, kids yeah. just don't care and leap in and, 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 and we lose that as we get older. That, that, um, and that's what, the wonderful gift that stand up has given me that I've seen everyone, everyone totally stuff up and slink off stage and be crushed and everything. So it's more, um, I feel we all should be bulletproof rather than just, I'm the special one and I'm bulletproof. If that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, you've done some amazing stuff and you've obviously made the choice to stop doing stand up in the UK and come back to Australia because you know, our weather's better. Um, 
So what does the future hold for Marty Wilson? Well, I, I think, because um, I, when I came back from doing stand-up in the UK, I, uh, I ran away from stage for a while because I, I found my old comedy diary on a spreadsheet a year or two ago. And I did four and a half gigs a week for eight years. Um, that was the average. So, like, I'd just done a lot of travel and a lot of stage time. And I was happy to get away from that for a while. And I tried to be an author and just do these What I Wish I Knew books that I've got out there. And, and you know, after three or four years of trying to do that, I realised how bloody tough it is to just be an author. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, gradually going backwards. And I guess I probably considered myself... Um, an author who spoke when somebody asked him to rather than a speaker as such. And um, it was only about two and a half, three years ago when, you know, I'd, I'd done five or six gigs a year for four or five years since I, I did my first uh, stand up, uh, my first keynote. I think it was 2009 or 2010, something like that. And, um, and then uh, we, we were just going out backwards um, and I was just absolutely churning through the family savings and, um, you know, I'm sure when you were starting Warwick, you've been through the same thing where like you check your phone 20 times a day and just go, oh, can I swear on your podcast? Is yeah, it okay yeah. if I swear? Um, just like, oh, please, can someone give me a fucking gig? God, like the desperation of just, you know, going, just your, your savings going down and down and down. And you're just like, oh, I, got a, I got a standing ovation for my first keynote. So I knew the product was really good. But um, someone gave me some really bad advice. Someone from a, uh, a bureau gave me some really bad advice and said, don't tell people you're funny. Because um, you speak about change and resilience through change, and people only book serious business speakers because it's a serious topic. And and then, so I was kicking along, just like you know, going out backwards, and ended up um, I was like uh, 60, 70 grand in debt to my dad, and like you know, fifty grand in overdraft at the bank, and it was just horrible, you know, just horrible. And you know, I have um, a wife that I think I, I talked about. Ali has this ongoing. Um, anxiety and depression thing going on and one of her key triggers is um uh money because when she was a teenager her dad was an architect and he was sacked and he ended up being out of work for two years ended up becoming a postman and everything so just it's a massive trigger for her the fact that we're going down the gurgler <laughs> but I, I i knew i knew that i had like a good thing to sell i just didn't know how to sell it and and eventually um um someone one another bureau person um came to me and said, oh, this person rang me, one of the speaker who I knew um, said, he rang me and said, oh, he wants you to help funny up his keynote. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, I've done that a couple of times before. I'm happy to do that. And she said, oh, do you mind me asking, like, why would he ask for you? Because um, I'd only spoken to this lady and said, like, I'm a serious business speaker. I'm serious, talking about serious topics for business, 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 serious. And she said, oh, I, I said, well, you, you know, I'm, I was a full-time stand-up for eight years in the UK and I'm actually a former Australian comic of the year. And the phone, the phone just went dead. And she said, is that in big red letters on every page of your website? <laughs> and I said, no, no, I, I, I told her the name of the person. This person told me that I should never tell people that. She said, hang up now, go change your website and come and see me next week. <laughs> and then the year after that, so I did four or five gigs a year. The year after that, I did 36. The year after that, I did 72. And now I kick around, you know, between sort of 90 and 100 um, doing keynotes every year. So, um, 
how did we get to this? What, how did I get on this? What, what was I don't question? know, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So it, um, uh, that's yeah, how I ended up getting Oh, for the future, the future. Yeah. Um, so, um, it was, uh, it was a real case of, uh, so at the same time I was kicking around, not getting any work. I, I, um, I just couldn't take this anymore. And I emailed the 11 most successful people I know personally, Simon Reynolds, um, being one of them, a guy called Bradley Trevor Grieve, who wrote that book, the blue yep. day book. Yep. Um, uh, Arn Doe, another good mate, and just like people who are doing really well that know me well enough. And, and just I just threw, prostrated myself at their feet and said, what am I doing wrong? Like, you know, like, um, tell me, you know, you know me, is there anything that, like any blind spot I can't see? Anything, and 10 out of 11 came back to them, came back to me and said, Marty, stop trying to be an author. Like, you're quite good at that, but you're... Um, you know, you're one Australian comic of the year, you know, like you're one of the funniest people on stage in Australia. Do Marty, like don't, you know, don't try and do something else. Like spend time, effort and money and energy on selling speaking. That's, that's the thing that's missing. Everyone said, get back up on stage, call yourself a speaker, not an author who speaks when he wants to call yourself a speaker and dive into that. And it was actually um, Simon Reynolds who, who said to me, the most successful companies I know in the world um, spend 80% of their time and energy marketing their product, not um, making new products, like spend all their efforts at selling. And, and that's, that's what I ended up doing. So now that's why you see me like a rash on LinkedIn and see me doing social media <laughs> everywhere and everything. Cause it just, uh, you know, find ways that you enjoy to sell what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're going so to your have to wrap it up soon. But be- <laughs> we're going to have to wrap it up soon. But before we go, what are three things that you wish you knew sooner? What, you know, uh, about work, life, whatever. What are three things that you wish you knew, you knew sooner in life? Um, well, the I, I get asked this question a bit because uh, this whole "what I wish I knew" thing that I do, and the the first thing that um, I wished I'd known would be uh, learn to meditate earlier. I, I, um, I was uh, given the wonderful gift. God, I'm giving Simon Reynolds big raps today, but he, he, when I worked for him, he, he said, look, um, I, anyone who wants to do it, I will pay for you to learn transcendental meditation, was at the time. Um, it was about two grand a person. And he just said, uh, look, I know if you do that, you'll be better um, you know, better at your job and everything. So anyone who wanted to do it, so about, you know, a dozen people in the company took him up on it. And, but I didn't learn that till I was about 28, 29. And I, I was a typical young bloke who thought, you know, everyone's entitled to my opinion and, uh, <laughs> and everything. And so um, when, when you really get into meditation, it just calms that inner voice and lets all that, you know, the Buddhists call it monkey mind or just that constant chatter that we all have going on in our brains. Um, it calms all that stuff down and lets you listen to those voices completing the circle to, to what I said at the start, lets you listen to those deeper voices that will make you proud of uh, how you've lived your life when you're 80. Okay. So there's one thing. What's another thing that you wish you'd done earlier? Um, well, in, in terms of what I just talked about with respect to business, what I wish I knew about business was, um, as a creative person, you want to keep creating stuff and you want to keep um, making new stuff. And like, you know, that uh, like the, you know, um, more funny, more money stuff you talked about before when I, I made that 
and it didn't sell $500,000 worth in the first three months. I thought I've, I've got to totally change it and rework it and everything and, and um, make it again. It's obviously not good enough. It's not that I just haven't sold it enough. You know, like it, um, in business, the thing you, I needed to know the most was uh, spend all your time and money on selling, on selling your stuff. That that's where, that's what the really great companies do. And, and just that other thing that, you know, 10 out of the 11 people said to me when they came back to me after sending this email out, just uh, do you stop trying to do other people um, do stuff that if every job has stuff in it, that's really crappy and you don't enjoy. But if you do that thing, do something that the 20% that you really enjoy, you really love it. And it deeply fits in with your values and your natural personality, like psychological fit for your job is such an important thing. You know, it, um, my, um, my wife would really love to be a speaker. Like when she has been forced to do it, she really, really enjoys it. But she's asking herself now, like, you know, could I really do that professionally? Because, um, do I have the right psychological fit? You know, my husband's a natural show off. He really enjoys being up there. I'm not sure I do. Um, so she's looking at maybe what, cause she, she has these, um, she's got like 60,000 nurses around the world who follow her on this Facebook page and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and she's thinking maybe turn that into a one-on-one -on -one coaching thing. Cause that sort of fits more with her psychological makeup, if that yeah. makes sense. So learn to meditate so you can find out who you really are. Um, find a job that fits in with that psychological profile when you really know who you are and to make it successful, um, pound away at the marketing for it. Fantastic. Marty, thank you so much for your time today. If people want to get in touch with you or find out more about your services or more funny, more money, what's the best way to get in touch? Uh, yeah. If you have a pitch or a presentation or a speech coming up that you would like some help with to, to make it funnier, go to morefunnymoremoney.com or if you would like me to come along uh, to your business and teach you or your people how to do this, go to martinwilson.com. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show with your host, Warwick Merry. We look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and until next time, enjoy your success.